How you doing, Arizona Nation? Welcome back to the second round of the Arizona podcast covering the Pac-12 preview. I'm your host, Dax. Gabe and I are back for round number two. The bell and round two. I've been patiently waiting for a track they slowed on. You stun if you moan in your ass and get rolled on. It feels like my flow's been hot for so long. Talk, 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 talk. Loud proud with it. The Lord's blessings leave me lyrically inclined. Work your technique right here. Work your technique right here. Flawless technique. Flawless technique. There you go. I ain't even got to try to shine. We're going to practice today like we don't know nobody out here. Guards and seamstress that tailor fitted my pain. Oh, yeah. I see it, eh? I see the swivel in the hips today, eh? They about to feel it today, eh? I got scriptures in my brain. I can spit at your dame straight out the good book. Look. You got to get your hands on him. Dish raggy. Finish the play. 50 feet, no man, warrior. Sweet swords like Conan. Nice. There it is. There it is. We're now on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Remember, we are the uh, Arizona podcast. That's Echo Romeo Alpha podcast. When you enter your search, remember to follow Gabe at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon Combs at U of A Bear Down 07, Javi at Players Program U. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast Zona. Visit us on Facebook at the Arizona Podcast. Email the podcast at Arizona Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email, tweet, Facebook posting comments or question. Uh, we've already got some Twitter questions we're going to get to tonight at the end. If we have time, finally be sure to visit playersprogramu.com and azdsrecruitingweebly.com for all the latest on the Arizona football. Gabe, how you feeling? I can't complain. I feel refreshed, recharged, and ready to go. That was quite a marathon. I did the edit for um, the first seven uh, teams, and it was a solid two hours. It came in right under two hours. So probably going to need to trim this in the future. Otherwise, people are going to uh, blow up their uh, their iTunes feed downloading these monsters. So let's uh, get back uh, rolling with Oregon. Oregon returns uh, Heisman Canada and future uh, first-round draft pick uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, insert eye roll here. Uh, I'm not quite sure I buy it. Um, we spent a little time talking about Oregon and Herbert in our early preview. Do you want to make any points about him here before we move on? Um, I mean, not really. There's, they're just kind of a team that I don't really buy into right now. Not. I mean, I guess they're not as hyped as I, I don't know. Are they as hyped as Utah or even more hyped than Utah right now? Uh, projected S&P is 8-4 and four or 20th, okay. which isn't quite as good as Utah. Yeah. I mean, if they were expected to win like 10, 11 games, and I mean, it's, it's nice that, well, nice and not nice that they're not being considered for like the college football playoff like that alleviate some of the pressure that the Pac-12 has where you don't really have anybody, but not great that you're not sending anybody, but I don't know. Oregon, 8-4 and four sounds sounds about right. I'm curious what that over-under is going to come in at then. We'll get to that. Uh, they have a pair of strong sophomore running backs in Verdell and Travis Dye. Most of their returning corps and uh, all of their starting uh, offensive line and most of the defense are returning 
Uh, let's get to the offense. By the end of season's first month, Herbert was averaging more than 280 yards per game with a 65% completion rate and a passing rate or, uh, passer rating over 180. Draft hype was through the roof. Uh, his completion rate was just uh, 57% from that point on, and his passer rating was a pedestrian 126.3. He had bad performances against Wazoo in Arizona uh, that knocked those numbers down. But he only had uh, two games with a passer rating over 150 in his last eight contests. One was against Oregon State. Uh, he was in concussion protocol after Arizona loss. Uh, he also injured his shoulder late in the season. Still, Oregon finished the year uh, just 44th in passing S&P Plus and 50th in passing marginal efficiency. Uh, offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo's offense um, primarily ran the ball on standard downs, 41st in uh, standard run rate, and threw on passing downs, 101st in uh, passing down run rate. So a healthy percentage of Herbert's pass attempts came in obvious pass situations. Verdell and Dye combined to average 26 carries per game with a decent 45% success rate. Uh, losses were rare, but so were big plays. UO was 45th in marginal rushing efficiency, but 107th in rushing marginal explosiveness. Oregon was good at creating manageable third downs. Uh, they were 9th in average third down distance and 32nd in third down success rate, but never moved the chains before third down 125th in percentage of first downs coming on first or second down one of the more experienced offensive lines in college football seven linemen have combined for 153 starts including three-year starter and all-conference guard shane lemieux dylan mitchell is a minnesota viking is the only departure of the receiving core he could be hard to replace. He was a target on 33% of Oregon's passes and one of the six Oregon players targeted at least 20 times. Uh, he and tight end uh, Jacob Breland were the only ones to average more than 12.6 yards per catch. Slot receivers Jalen Red is efficient. Penn State grad transfer Juwan Johnson is a potential downfill uh, threat. Although he had some drop issues last year, uh, junior Johnny Johnson III, four-star redshirt freshman Brian Addison and Isaiah Coker, and incoming blue chippers Micah Pittman, uh, Lance Will Hoyt, and Josh Delgado are going to have to step up to help out Herbert on the offense. Thoughts on the Oregon's offense, Gabe? Um, well, uh, I don't want to... Uh sound like a broken record here but not a huge justin herbert i don't i mean when it comes time to when's the draft like april late april like i don't see herbert as like a top quarterback being taken in my opinion uh, i love the run game i do love uh verdell a lot um I'm blanking on what high school he came out of, but I like that. I like Jalen Rad a lot as well. Um, Brian Addison, he's a nice player. And then Micah Pittman, um, I believe he was the guy um, coming out of high school where he straight up said he's going to Oregon because they don't have any good receivers and he's going to start immediately. Um so it'll be interesting to see how much he plays there in his first year. But I'm not totally sold. I mean, it's not like they have, I guess, the 
explosive offense that they have had in the past. So I don't know. I, I'm not a again. I'm just not a huge believer in Oregon. On defense, the departure of Jim Levitt uh, makes room for former Boise State defensive coordinator Andy Avalos. His 2018 defense was pretty bland on standard downs, but crazy aggressive on passing downs, 20th in play differential marginal efficiency, second in sack rate, four different Broncos finished with between four and ten sacks. At Oregon, linebackers Justin Hollins are gone. Gus Cumberland is a decent pass rush specialist. Four of his 11 tackles in 2018 were sacks, uh, but this could be where Cristobal's 2019 signing class reaps immediate dividends. Kayvon Thibodeau, the number two prospect in the entire class per 24-7 composite signed with the Ducks in mid-December. Avalos inherits a unit that combines experience of the 13 front seven defenders to make at least 11 tackles last year, nine return, including linebacker Troy Dye and almost the entire line, uh, including Thibodeau, um, as one of four blue chip freshmen in the front seven, the Ducks already ranked 14th in passing down marginal efficiency and 20th and third in a long success rate, despite a poor pass rush, which says great things about a secondary that was loaded with freshmen and sophomores. Four of the five primary defensive backs return and three of the four combined to intercept 11 passes and break up three more. This includes junior corners Thomas Graham Jr., Diamondor Lenore, and sophomore safety Javon Holland. Uh, the deck, the Ducks lose a hell of a playmaker to Seattle Seahawks, Ugo Amandi. It is far more experienced unit than it was a year ago, and they also have the addition of another major blue chipper in cornerback Mikel Wright. Thoughts on how the Ducks defense might play out this season, Gabe? I mean, it's it's got some nasty talent up there, and I mean, they've had great recruiting success the last two, three years, I guess the last three years, because I remember Thomas Graham was one of those guys that uh, kind of started that next wave for them, along with Lenore. Uh, it's, I mean, I feel like Troy Dye's been there forever, um, and he might even be, I don't now I'm curious to see what year he is. Yeah, he's a senior, so yeah, Troy Dye is a senior. Seems like he's been there forever right now, and then you have all those defensive backs, and you add Kayvon Thibodeau. I, it could be pretty nasty, and I would favor their defense a lot more than their offense. Um, Did you see Troy dies thirteen percent of the team's tackles? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's crazy for one dude. Yeah, that's that's pretty nice. Um, so yeah, I mean they just have monster talent. It looks like at all three levels, and I, I I have more faith in their defense than I do their offense at this moment. Fair enough. On special team, they were 111th in S and P plus last year, and haven't ranked in the top 70 since 2011. Um, there's good uh, return games uh, for Amandi on punts and Tony Brooks James on kickoffs. Adam Stack and Zach Emerson uh, were only trusted to take three field goals beyond 40 yards and missed all three. Oregon was 128th in field goal efficiency. Projected wins in S&P plus 8.1. Here you go, Gabe. Uh, Vegas has them at 8.5. So as far as I'm concerned, this is another uh, Pac-12 team that will see its season off the rails. Uh, Week one with an Auburn visit. 
uh, trips deferred and UW. That's uh, three hard to argue losses, leaving only two more uh, between the Herbert overhype and the attention to uniform changes and the abysmal special teams. I'm just going to go with the under Gabe. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, nine, uh, it's tough because I think they're going to get waxed against Auburn. Um, I mean, I, I think that UW is a toss up at this point. Like, I would, they're both equally. They're both very equal to me right there. Uh, at Stanford, that, that's that's kind of a 50-50 game for me. And then USC, uh, certainly always interesting there. I, I don't know. I, you know what? I, uh, I'll, I'll take the over on that. I, we, we've been agreeing too much as well, so I'll go with the over. I like it. A little dissent, a little excitement, a little interest in the in the outcomes between the two of us. All right, let's move on to Colorado. Mel Tucker's got quite an interesting um, history in the coaching ranks. He played for Barry Alvarez in the early 90s. His first coaching job was with Nick Saban as a graduate assistant at Michigan State. He coached again for Saban at both LSU and Alabama. He had his first full-time gig with uh, Terry Hoppner's uh, Miami, Ohio staff. Uh, Hopner would enjoy six straight winning seasons at Oxford. Jim Tressel uh, lured him from Baton Rouge to Columbus in 2001, and he spent four years at Ohio State, ending up as defensive coordinator before making the jump to the pros. He spent 10 seasons in the NFL. Um, this probably isn't his most esteemed uh, coaching stint with Cleveland's uh, as Cleveland's defensive back coach, and then seven seasons as a coordinator at Cleveland, Jacksonville, and Chicago. And after one year with back with Saban uh, in 2015, Kirby Smart hired him as his first defensive coordinator at Georgia, where he was for the last three seasons. That's a pretty crazy list of uh, coaches to have and work through. The way uh, Colorado's season went, it wasn't so bad that they went five and seven. It's just the way they went in five and seven. Um, they pulled off an unlikely win over Nebraska, knocked off both UCLA and ASU at home on the way to a five and zero start. Uh, projected 84th in the preseason, they were all the way up to 45th after the ASU win. They finished the year with seven straight losses. After semi-competitive defeats to USC and Washington, they collapsed at home uh, and fell to lowly Oregon State. I still remember listening to that game on the drive down to Tucson for the U of A game, and I was just shocked when it went to overtime, uh, especially with a huge lead they had late in that game. They were they were outscored 62-14 to 14 by Washington State and Utah at home as well. Uh, attendance for the ASU game was 52,681, the highest for a CU home game since 2010. Um, when Georgia came to visit, attendance for the Utah game six weeks later was 39,360. Um, it was snowing, uh, but it was clear that um, McIntyre had lost his momentum with the fan base. It'll be interesting to see if Tucker can bring that back around. I think uh, Bill Connolly makes a really good point. It, he states that it always concerns him when a head coach is used to working with a massive talent advantage. If you look at T- Tucker's last three college jobs at Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, um, he really was never lacking for such a talent. Um, but when he was in the NFL, uh, he didn't do as well. Only once in seven years as an NFL DC did Tucker's defense rate rank better than 20th in DVOA while he finished at the bottom five, four times. 
What's your uh, take on Tucker hire at Colorado, Gabe? Uh, I mean, that's it's a very interesting point about having the talent everywhere he's gone. But I think, I mean, it's I for me, it's an impressive hire, and I think it's worth a shot to. I don't know who else was in their coaching pool that they were looking at, but um, a defensive guy like him, you know, he's been around the talent um, his for the last however many years he's been around those top programs. So uh, kind of like Kevin Sumlin with Arizona, um, where it's he's been around NFL talent and he kind of knows what he I guess the the pieces and I guess the attributes that uh, go into a NFL caliber player and that'll hopefully translate to recruiting for Arizona. That's kind of how I would think it goes for Mel Tucker or at least Colorado fans would think. Uh, I mean, I, I there could be worse hires for Colorado. So I, I'll stick with Mel Tucker and I think that he could do a decent job there. Fair enough. Let's uh, move on to offense. Uh, Tucker retained a few of McIntyre's assistants, running back coach and CU legend Darren Hagens, wide receiver coach uh, Darren Shiverini, inside linebacker coach uh, Ross Ells. Uh, he brought in some other coaches, including new coordinators Jay Johnson and Tyson Summers uh, from UGA, uh, outside linebacker coach Brian Makowski, and DB coach uh, Tavares Tillman. Um, certainly, LaVisca Chenault was um, a big component, and things were going much better in Colorado when he was healthy. Despite missing three games um, to end the year, he ended up with 86 catches for 1,011 yards. Uh, Jay Johnson has been an offensive coordinator for nine years, uh, three at Southern Miss. His best S&P offensive ranking was 55th in 2005, five at UL, UL Lafayette uh, with a 41st in 2012, and one at Minnesota was 76 in 2016. Um, Montez rushed uh, 64 times for 432 yards with a 6.8 yard per carry average and a 47% success rate. Uh, considering uh, Colorado's running backs had a ghastly 33% success rate, Montez's contributions were desperately needed. Last year's top three backs are gone. Bo Bisharat uh, moving to tight end um, leads to the leading returning uh, backs, uh, sophomore Alan Fontenot with 11 carries and 43 yards, and junior Chase Sanders, four carries, eight yards. It goes with saying that recent recruits, including in- incoming uh, three-star uh, freshman uh, Jaron Mangum, uh, could earn the opportunity to play. The line was a disaster last year. Only one player, Colby uh, Purcell, a freshman, started all 12 games, and eight started at least two. Four of those eight were freshmen, and there all back, including left tackle William Sherman, who earned honorable mention all-conference honors. Depth in the receiving court could be an issue. Uh, the return of Chanel, uh, Katie Dixon with his 52 catches and 636 yards, and Troy Brown, 32 catches, 330 yards, 333 yards is uh, a boon. Redshirt freshman Dimitri Stanley, Dylan Thomas are one of three freshmen. Vontae Chenault. Brendan Huffman-Dixon and Tarek Luckett uh, can provide some additional depth. Uh, Montez should have the opportunity to spread the ball amongst these receivers. What do you think about Montez and the returning talent to Oregon's, excuse me, Colorado's offense game? Uh, I mean, um, 
sad Brandon isn't here because his two guys are uh, Chenault and Montez here, but <laughs> his adopted quarterback. <laughs> yeah, but with those two guys, was I it Chenault last year, Gabe? I really felt like it was just Montez. Yeah, it, it was Montez. Uh, yeah, it was mostly Montez, but I guess I mean his guy is. Um, Chenault, so I guess it's kind of a yeah, yeah, but it is Montez. But <laughs> Chenault is by all means the Pac 12 Offensive Player of the Year by most people, or one of the best receivers in the country, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I do like Katie Nixon and um, that new uh, Huffman Dixon. Uh, should be a very nice piece for them as well. I liked him out of the last cycle. Uh, they, they recruited pretty well this last cycle. Uh, I feel like Colorado doesn't have much of a run game right now, so it's going to have to be Steven Montez putting everything on his back and trying to get as much as he can out of these receivers outside of Chenault. But, I mean, it, it could be worse for Colorado. I Like, they actually have two good pieces that you would want on an offense. And I think they've got some other receivers. I I don't know what type of offense they're planning to run, if they're going to go more spread or, uh, or what have you, but uh, it's a good baseline to start with, with those two pieces. You've got, you've got something to work with. Yeah, I felt like last year's offense with the offensive line struggles being so evident was either a short throw to LaVisca Chenault, who almost always turned it into more than it uh, should have been in other hands, or uh, Montez scrambling. So um, I I think you make a good point that those guys coming back is a good foundation, and they've certainly weathered a pretty tough storm. Uh, Moving on to the D, uh, Tyson Summers is defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator under Georgia Leary at UCSF. He peaked at 22nd in defensive S&P Plus in 2014. And after a year at Colorado State, he was hired as Georgia Southern's head coach at just age 35. He went 5-13 uh, and 13 there and was fired midway through the second season. He took a gig at UGA and is back at D.C., He inherits stars at each level, including Mustafa Johnson, who had 15.5 tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks, and 16.5 run stuffs. Linebacker Nate Ladman, who had 15 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, 24.5 run stuffs. And nickelback uh, Davian Taylor, who had 10 tackles for loss. But depth is precarious. Uh, Johnson is the only of last year's top six linemen back. Ladman is the only of the top three linebackers. And both of the other safeties opposite Taylor, Nick Fisher, and Evan Worthington are gone. Tucker brought in three Juco linebackers, including four-star Joshua Allen, two Juco linemen, and Auburn nose tackle transfer Jontavius Johnson to shore things up. Uh, Leaning on the newcomers, that many newcomers at once isn't generally a recipe for immediate success. Uh, Taylor and quarter Dante Wigley were the only defensive backs to play in all 12 games, and the shift shift was constant. That means the replacements for Fisher and Worthington at least had a chance 
chance to get some experience. Uh, veterans like cornerback uh, Delrick Adams Jr. and Mikai Blackman and safeties Darion Rakestraw, Aaron Maddox, and Trey Udofia could round out the DB rotation alongside Taylor and Wigley. Um, youngsters like sophomore Chris Miller and incoming freshman Mark Perry may break into the lineman, lineup. What's your thoughts on Colorado's defense, Gabe? Uh, well, I think that being a defensive guy, you're in a better spot with Mel Tucker. Um, I think that he's got some nice pieces on, on each level, like you said. Uh, I don't think that it will be as good as their offense. I think that you lean more on your playmakers like Montez and Chenault. Um, they're trying to get uh, a lot of Juco guys to replace some holes. Um, I mean, they have a lot of guys coming back, but I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if Mel Tucker just uh, whips this thing up in a year enough for me to say that there'll be a top half defense in the Pac-12. Uh, I I prefer their offense at the moment. Starting, uh, just wrapping up with special teams, starting punter Alex Kinney missed much of the year with an injured collarbone. Backup David Price struggled. At kicker, uh, they had three different uh, options. Everyone's back. Uh, Kinney's solid, but we'll see if there's any place kickers uh, that take the starting position. The projected wins in S&P Plus are 4.8. Las Vegas has them at four wins. I think they have a likely win at CSU. Um, then they experience a rebuilding Nebraska with a projected S&P Plus of 45. Um, if they could pull off a victory there at home, and I know Nebraska's got a lot of buzz right now, um, a win against Air Force could lead them to 3-0 out of the gate. Even with a loss at Nebraska, you're talking about a worst case likely of two and one. That only leaves them running uh, with two to three W's, including a game at UCLA. However, they're at Oregon, at Washington State. They do take on UCLA, Ferd, UW, and they go to U, uh, Utah. So I still think I'm going to go with the over on them, although I'm maybe trying to talk myself out of that one now. Yeah. See, I mean, they started out hot. I mean, they could start 3-0 and this year, and uh, they started 5-0 and last year, and they end 7-0, and uh, or 0-7, excuse me. Uh, I think this could happen. So I'm not totally sold on Nebraska, so I do think that they could start 3-0. and I mean, you've got to like your odds, nine games, and then you only need one to at least push. Um but for me, I, I don't – I mean, Nebraska at home, that certainly helps. But And I don't know. Air Force, they, they could be tricky. Either they're like a 4-8 and eight team or they're one of those sneaky like 8-4, and 9-3 and three teams that dominate the league. Plus, they're going to cut your knees every game. So, you're, you know, you come out of that game lucky just not to be injured. Yeah. So – but I, I think they get two wins in non-conference. Yeah. Uh, Arizona State, I mean, maybe you catch ASU a little early, and that helps when they're trying to incorporate Daniels. Uh, Arizona, at least you get them at home, so there's a chance there. UCLA, unfortunately, that's on the road. If that were at home, that's that's a pretty good win that I would probably lock in right there. But I don't – I mean, I think they could get four, but I guess – 
I feel more I feel better about them getting three than I do five. So I'll have to hit the under here. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I be, might be leaning that way. That may be the smart pick, but I'll stick to my guns where I picked them the the other night, and uh, and I'll I'll sleep in that bed. All right, let's move on to Cal. If you want these kind of dreams, it's If you look back at Cal's season for 2018, it wouldn't have taken much for them to tip to a much more favorable outcome if they didn't give up that last pick six against Arizona. Um, if they had only uh, had four or five draw, drives, drives stall out in Washington State Territory instead of six, only five dri- drives stall out in Stanford Territory instead of seven, and only three interceptions against TCU in the Cheez-It Bowl instead of five, which was quite the barn burner of the, the bowl season. Uh, that doesn't seem like much to ask. Um, but for last year's uh, Cal Golden Bears, it certainly was. Uh, the offensive bar wasn't high, but it was frequently failed to be cleared. And the Bears uh, managed to lose six total games uh, with their best defense in 10 years. It's been a remarkable uh, transformation for Justin Wilcox in his two years as Cal's head coach. The Bears defense has turned all the way around. He had inherited a woeful unit from Sonny Dykes that ranked 107th in defensive S&P Plus in the year before his arrival, one that had averaged a ranking of 100.8 during Dykes' entire tenure. The bar was so low that that Wilcox's 82nd in his 2017 debut was encouraging. In 2018, the defense was dominant. Cal finished 13th in defensive S&P Plus, combining aggression with efficiency. They were 10th in marginal efficiency with extreme big play prevention, 10th in marginal explosiveness. They allowed 20.4 points per game. This was 22.2 fewer than Dyke's final season. Um, They dominated down the stretch, allowing only 15 points per game in the last seven contests. There was quite a bit of youth on the defense. There were only two senior among Cal's 10 leading tacklers, and the Bears returned almost the entire secondary, plus eight of last year's top 10 uh, creators of Havoc. Havoc plays include tackles for loss, passes defended, and forced fumble. When uh, So Bill Connolly notes that when you surge a little too much, you tend to regress the next year. But Cal is experienced enough, in his opinion, to have a shot at another top 15 unit. I think this is an interesting construct. And before we go too far, I don't want to belabor any particular review too much. But, you know, regression means something that I think we tend to lean on. What do you think about it in this case? And what's your general take on that when you're talking about sports statistics, Gabe? I mean, in terms of Cal, I think that Cal's going to have, I mean, sure, they had a top 15 defense last year, and that is a very lofty ranking, especially for, I guess, the the group or the level of recruiting that they've had. Um, They haven't really pulled in top defensive talent. I think it's just a product of their coaching. Uh, I am a Wilcox fan. Uh, and he's he's got some defense in him, and I I, I don't see Cal, I, I could see Cal dropping off a bit just because I mean fifteen that's that's going to be hard to replicate I believe for a program like Cal, but I do think that they could be a top twenty five easily a top half defense in the Pac twelve, but in terms of like overall regression of the mean I feel like that 
applies to a good amount of, of sports. I mean, you look at like batting averages or one of my favorites is like Paul George's game winning shots where he was like, Oh, for 23. Um, but in terms of Cal, I think that Cal will have a very good defense and they'll kind of pick up where they left off. They might, they might slide off a little bit, but it won't be very far off. Um, meanwhile, on offense, uh, they lose their four top receivers and their leading rusher. Uh, it's interesting the the comparison, the contrast between Dykes and Wilcox. Um, Dykes never had trouble on uh, offense. Um, uh, his Cal was 13 in offensive S&P Plus in 2015. And after losing his quarterback and number one pick in Jared Goff, they were 22nd in 2016. Um it makes it quite shocking to see the role reversal so dramatically flip with the two coaches. Um, two years ago, Cal was 22nd on offense and 107th on defense. And last year, they were 13th on offense and 118th on defense. It's an incredible flip in just uh, between 2016 and 2018. Um, a team with Cal's 2016 offense and 2018 defense would have been a top 10 overall team. Uh, of course, the the opposite team with Cal's 2016 defense and 2018 offense would have nearly been bottom 10. However, uh, it's interesting that these extremes are nowhere uh, close to anything you'd expect to see, and, and it doesn't seem like a normal set of circumstances. Um, the Bears are projected to become even more extreme uh, with fifth on defense, as you point out, Gabe, and 125th on offense. On offense, uh, former Eastern Washington head coach Bo Baldwin, who at one point in time was considered uh, for the Arizona on a job as offensive coordinator. They actually played at a pretty average tempo, 71st in adjusted pace. Uh, they spread defenses out a bit with 45th in solo tackles created and threw quite a bit on early downs, 96th, 96th in standard downs run rate. Baldwin's uh, e, uh, Eastern Washington offenses went faster and spread teams out more. Um, Running back Patrick Laird saw a grueling 21.9 intended touches, rushes, and pass targets per game, but averaged just 4.4 yards, 4 yards per intended touch with a 38% success rate. Vic Wharton the third and Mo Ways, the top two wideouts, averaged just 10.5 yards per catch. Losing top rusher and top four targets, Wharton, Laird, Ways, and uh, New Nebraska Cornhusker Kawani now means that the leading returning rushers are Christopher Brown Jr., Marcel Dancy, uh, who both had higher success rates than Laird, and senior wideout Jordan Duncan, who lead the, led the team in yards per catch at 13.4 and 20 receptions and success rate, although his numbers were small. Michigan transfer Kioka Crawford uh, was inefficient at Ann Arbor, but flashed some explosiveness. Depth's a major concern, uh, as you'd expect with such an exodus of talent. Uh, two 2017 returners, Ross Bowers and Chase Forrest, combined to throw just 31 passes last fall. Bowers, the 2017 starter, battled a thumb injury all year, and redshirt freshman Chase Garbers and South Carolina transfer Brandon McElwain ended up taking most of the stap- snaps. They both finished. They both have nice nice athleticism combining to rush 144 times not including sacks for 962 yards and six touchdowns making up for the lacking making up for the lack of running efficiency 
posting a not completely awful 67th and run marginal efficiency. But while they also completed 61% of their passes, those passes didn't go very far at 9.5 yards per completion. McElwain is listed as an athlete, not a QB on Cal's roster. Um, and the intention for a while has been to use him in, in as many rows as possible. Maybe more analogous to Dixon on Arizona's um, roster. Even if McElwain uh, moves away from the quarterback position, don't expect to hand the starting job to Gabbers just yet. Wilcox brought in UCLA transfer Devin Modster, another mobile quarterback who completed 67% of his passes at 13.9 yards per completion and two late starts for the Bruins in 2017. And incoming freshman Spencer Brash was a high three-star prospect. The line is a potential concern. Two two starters and two part-time starters return, but any drop-off could be a potential contributor to more regression on the offense. Any additional points you want to make about their offense, Gabe? I mean, it's just an absolute mess. I mean, you have no quarterback. You have like seven quarterbacks right now that just aren't good. Uh, I mean, the the offensive line could have been the issue, but um, I mean, maybe Devon Modster is the guy. He he didn't look like it at UCLA. I was going to say, I know you're a fan. Yeah, um, but yikes. I mean, Spencer Brash is maybe one of your best bets, maybe. A local kid out of Highland in uh, Gilbert, but yikes. I mean, there's just no quarterback here that you can rely on, and I feel like they're going to kind of play that musical chairs you know, every three weeks, or they're going to split it up in a half and and give some reps here and there, and it's just not going to help for consistency's sake. I mean, it's going to be ugly, and I think, I mean, it's very similar to Arizona's defense the last few years where it's been, you know, outside the top 100 and, you know, there's only so many other directions you can go. So maybe they can improve on that. But I mean, I, I don't know that it's a tough look for sure. Moving on to the D, there was uh, really only one way to beat Cal's defense in 2018 with patient running. They allowed at least four yards on 85% of non-sack rushes, which was 85th in FBS, and stuffed you at or behind the line just 17% of the time for 90th ranking. If you were content with going for five-yard rushes without screwing something up, you could beat them, but most teams weren't that disciplined. Despite a merely decent pass rush, Cal ranked 10th in both passing S&P Plus and passing down to S&P Plus. 42% of opponents' incompletions were due to a pass defended, either an interception or breakup. Four of Cal's defensive backs recorded at least six passes defended, as did linebacker Evan Weaver and in Luke Buket. Uh, this was a defense built around the pass. Of the seven DBs in last year's rotation, only backup safety Quinton uh, terrible is gone. Tartable is gone. Safeties Ashton Davis and Jalen Hawkins that combined for five tackles for loss, 10 INTs, eight bracket breakups, corners Cameron Bynum and Elijah Hicks, 7.5 tackles for loss, three interceptions, 12 breakups, and Nickel Trayvon Beck, two tackles for loss, three interceptions, four breakups, all return as uh, do Weaver and Baquette. Um, you got to figure the secondary is pretty much um, 
going to be very close to what it was last year. Um, subsequent improvement is going to come from the front seven. Two of last year's primary four linemen are gone, as well as four of seven line linebackers, including uh, Kuzniak, um, who has gone after accumulating 18% of the team's tackles. But a lot of playmakers return. Evan Weaver, Baquette are among the team's three sack leaders, outside linebacker and Russian Tevin Paul was excellent run support with 11 tackles for loss and 11.5 run stuff. There's uh, multiple candidates for replacements with the losses in the front seven, including four-star four Juco linebacker uh, Kuoni Dang, who was the star of spring ball and weighs in at 6'6", 235 pounds. Redshirt freshman Evan Tattersall, Eric Nish, uh, looked solid in brief additions last fall, and Chattanooga grad transfer Hawk Schreider had 10 tackles for loss in the last two seasons. Sophomore tackles Aaron Maladano and Sialuga Sapai Fuomana uh, looked solid in backup roles. Also returning from injury is outside linebacker Cameron Good, who recorded 11.5 Havoc plays in nine games in 2017 and had another two-in-one game last fall before suffering an injured leg and missing the remainder of the year. At worst, Bill doesn't see the run defense falling off. With improvement, Cal could find an extra gear. I find that kind of unlikely, replacing that much in the front seven. I think that's a little bit optimistic, and given the point he makes about regression to the mean I, I wouldn't be surprised you know Arizona fans can relate as much as anyone that when you can't get pressure up front even with a solid secondary it can be tough to keep those receivers covered on special team uh, Cal jumped on the Aussie a punter train by bringing in Stephen Counts uh, as a transfer from UL Lafayette given the uh, field position he helped create for the Cal defense he might have been the Bears best offensive player he placed 31 of 73 punts inside the 20 while having only two touchbacks. Cal ranked eighth in punt efficiency. Uh, awesome kick returners in Ashton Davis uh, drove the special teams ranking to 25. Both Couts and uh, Davis are back, and there's a solid place kicker in Greg Thomas, uh, creating a, gr- a strong special teams unit. Projected wins 5.4. Vegas has them at 5.5. I think the trip to Old Miss, who's a projected S&P 34 team, uh, trips to UW, Oregon, Utah, and Stanford make for one of the more difficult road uh, schedules um, in the entire Pac-12. Um, they do have likely wins versus UC Davis, North Texas, Oregon State, and UCLA. That leaves only two of eight games. Again, I like to pick out ASU losses, and a loss on September 27th would be fantastic. I'm going to go with the over for Cal. Ooh, okay. Um, Ole Miss doesn't worry me. Uh, UW. Okay, Oregon, Utah, Stanford. I think I have to go to the under. I just I don't like the offense at all. The defense, I mean that that when you were going through it, that it kind of concerns me how much they're gonna lose or have lost. I guess already. I think I'll go. I think they'll hit five. I don't know that that half game is a little too much for me, though. All right, let's move on to ASU. 
parent is the one person who is supposed to make their kid think they can do anything. Says they're beautiful even when they're ugly. Thinks they're smart even when they go to Arizona State. Let the rest of the world tear your kid down. Your job is to support him no matter what. in college basketball, BYU forward Brandon Davis was kicked off the basketball team after he admitted to violating the school's honor code by having premarital sex with his girlfriend. Luckily, his girlfriend goes to Arizona State, so she actually got course credit. So the most exciting thing about ASU's football season last year really was the NBA jargon. And Ray Anderson, uh, post-Todd Graham firing press conference, the rest of the season was pretty average. And if you look at ASU over the last uh, 10 years, they finished right on with their season average. Um, it's well documented, Herm's uh, lack of uh, experience in the recent past when it comes to coaching, having not coached since 2008 when he was fired as a head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He was 20 games under 500 as an NFL coach and hasn't coached a college game since his three-year stint at San Diego, excuse me, at San Jose State, coaching the defensive backs in 1989. As Bill Connolly points out, he has spent most of the last decade as a yeller on ESPN. Um, it's interesting. Herm was well um, quoted uh, at the beginning of the season discussing cutting players, etc. And now that the uh, transfer portal has been a hot topic, a hot topic in transfer uh, of basically free agents in college football. Uh, Herm again steps to the forefront and uh, makes a bold statement about how he's going to treat players that enter the portal. Quote, when you do that, we have the ability to take your grant and aid away. You better understand that once your name hits the portal, you're basically saying, parenthetically, I'm gone. So Herm continues to be the um, gift that keeps giving. ASU was actually a hair uh, disappointing last year, uh, remaining at the same level despite not only um, a fourth-year starting quarterback in Manny Wilkins, a first-round wide receiver in um, Harry, but also a 1,600-yard rusher in Ener Benjamin. It now has to place, replace both Wilkins and Harry, plus honorable mention all-conference uh, linemen, and is projected to slip a bit to 43rd. The defense improved um, from 99th to 86th in defensive SMP, but last year's uh, top seven creators of Havoc plays, again, tackles for loss, passes defended, and forced fumble. Uh, returning is projected to improve to 60th. Uh, recent history suggests that ASU should win about seven games and, si and sign a recruiting class, recruiting class around 30th. Edwards, first year produced seven wins in the 31st class. And guess what? ASU is projected to win seven wins games in 2019. Uh, on offense, um, Anderson made a big show of wanting to keep both of his coordinators with the firing of Graham. Of course, that didn't happen. Offensive coordinator Billy Napier left to become UL Lafayette's head coach and uh, Phil Bennett stepped away from football. In Napier's absence, Edward uh, handed the reins to offensive line coach Rob Likens. He has quite a bit of air raid in his history, having worked for formal, former former 
Cal head coach Sonny Dykes at Louisiana Tech and Cal. Um, but Edwards has always been a run first guy, and their philosophies apparently split the difference. ASU ran 61% of the time on standard downs, 1% above the national average, and 34% on passing downs, 1% below. Uh, they were very balanced, uh, having Harry in the receiving core. Benjamin was one of only three FBS backs to carry at least 300 times. The other two are Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor and Boise State's Alexander Madison. He was up, he was up to the challenge, averaging 5.3 yards per carry in November and beyond. For the season, ASU graded out better in the run, 19th in rushing SMP Plus than in the pass, 50th in passing SMP. Uh, I think that the defense concentrating on Harry really helped them have their rushing success. What do you think about that game? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know Benjamin's a good back on his own, but definitely Harry is is the focal point. And of course, you had a pretty smart, or at least veteran, experienced guy uh, with Manny Wilkins, and so. We'll see how it goes running the ball for Eno now, but I mean, especially now with uh, Jaden Daniels, it, it'll be a lot more interesting to see how defenses approach him, especially early on in the season. And maybe you know he just struggles heavily, and just the speed of the game is just way too fast for him. Or you know he's going to come out and burn guys pretty quick. So. It'll be interesting to see how ASU starts and and how Daniels progresses from his first year. Uh, Isaiah Floyd was uh, second among ASU's backs and carries at 45 with 209 yards. He was also far less efficient than Benjamin. Uh, two longtime starters guard Casey Tucker and tackle Quinn Bailey are gone. But four returnees, all seniors, boast at least 10 career starts. And center Cole Cabral is perhaps the best center in the conference. Um, depth is concerning here, though. Uh, slot man Kyle Williams uh, is a good security blanket blanket for uh, Jalen Daniels. And while the depth level appears to level off pretty quickly, they have Frank Darby and Brandon Ayuk um, as a couple of all or nothing type threats. Ayuk uh, was strong in late 2018, making 22 of his 33 catches in the last in the last five games. Uh, there's quite a bit of uh, lack of depth in the offensive line. They're going to be using a true freshman quarterback replacing who I felt like was an underrated four-year starter. I think teams are going to stack the box um, after losing Harry as a guy who carried them to multiple close wins, especially the USC game in my mind. Um, I think the the offense is likely to regress. Um, of note, uh, former Arizona commit Cody Shear transferred to ASU after leaving Arizona on the altar for Oregon. Uh, any comments on the offense or uh, otherwise before we move on to defense scape? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely going to feel the loss of Harry. Uh, that USC game to watch Harry was incredible. I mean, it, like you said, I, I think that you might as well stack the box against Daniels and just make them try to beat you in the air and read a defense and know which side pressure is coming from. I think it'll be interesting to watch how, uh, I guess, frustrated he gets, or maybe he doesn't get frustrated at all, but I think it's definitely something to watch. And 
we'll see. I mean, I, I think ASU will go as far as Daniels takes them. Yeah, I think if you're playing ASU this year, you 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 stop uh, Eno Benjamin and make Daniels beat you. Um, on defense, Danny, Danny Gonzalez replaces uh, Bennett as defensive coordinator, a longtime Rocky Long assistant at San Diego State. Gonzalez runs the three three five. Not those are uh, curse words here in Arizona. Um, the ASU defense wasn't very. Good. They uh, did improve, but we're still just 86 in defensive S&P. I think everyone was falling all over themselves last year to talk about how great Gonzalez was. Uh, I I think he's a little overrated, um, especially given some of the talent uh, that was recruited to the program, specifically by Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce. Thoughts on Gonzalez? Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think that he's like a top defensive coordinator or defensive mind. I mean, I think he they, they did bring in a lot of four stars, uh, and they were very young last year. I know Merlin Robinson's getting a lot of love this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't see him as – a slam dunk hire and a coordinator is going to eventually go off for a bigger job. I just, I, I, he's, he's good. He's going to give you what you need, but I wouldn't, you know, write home about him. Uh, they were strong in big play prevention. Opponents managed only 22 gains of 30-plus yards. That's 34th in FBS and only three of 50-plus, which is ninth. Uh, they didn't produce third and longs, and they didn't capitalize on the ones they had, and they were only marginally disruptive at 46% and have a great most of last year's best disruptors are back, led by sophomore linebacker Merlin Robinson. 8.5 tackles for loss, 5 sacks. Uh, leading safeties, Jalen Harvey and DeMonte King are gone. Uh, this is concerning given how big play prevention was for the Sun Devils. Linebacking core was crazy young, led not only by Robertson, but also fellow, fellow freshman Darian Butler, Tyler Johnson. Plus, in the back, Crosswell was a freshman and Lucas was a sophomore, uh, as were backups Evan Fields and Taryn Adams, who combined for six tackles for loss. There could be another high upside sophomore and Baylor transfer to Marcus Davis. Hey, who's the transfer they're getting, the guy that robbed the oh, uh, place? Jack Jones. What the hell does he play? Corner. He was a five-star kid coming out of high school and... I mean, that's a heck of a grab that you get. Just, I mean, obviously related to uh, Antonio Pierce. He's a Long Beach Poly kid. But, yeah, he was 19th in the country. Uh, just, uh, let's see, what class was he? Uh, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time figuring this information out. Uh, class of 2016. So he's he's been in college football for a little bit, but um, trouble at USC and now he's at ASU, and so we'll see. I mean, I imagine he probably steps right into a starting spot there. Uh, I believe he's eligible immediately um, and has two more years left. So another pull by Antonio Pierce, and they've got quite a def- – they, they've got a lot of 
high-ranked prospects on defense. And so maybe that's their backbone. Maybe they're a Cal this year, uh, depending on how Daniels does. Um, but, I mean, maybe their defense can be, I mean, obviously not a top 10 or a top 15, 20, but, um, you know, one of the better ones in the pack for sure. I can't wait for Antonio Pierce to get recruited somewhere else. It's killing me. Yeah. Uh, there are concerns up front. ASU allowed opponents to gain at least four yards uh, on 54% of non-sack carries, which makes them 123rd, and they ranked 105th in rushing S&P Plus. And that was with uh, tackles Rennell Wren and in Jalen Bates, who combined for 10.5 tackles for loss and 15 run stuffs up front. More sophomores, including uh, Jermaine Lolaley. Uh, who emerged as a playlip maker late in the year. He had four tackles for loss and four breakups in the last five games. And big DJ Davidson at 6'4", 325, uh, showed some upside before injuring his ankle. Edwards uh, added Rice grad transfer Roe Wilkins, 10.5 tackles for loss, 8.5 run stuff to a pretty thin group. Uh, Lolaley and Davidson pretty much have to emerge the starters uh, for the front to improve. Um, certainly we can relate, as I've alluded to on this particular analysis a couple times now without a good defensive line you it really can have a domino effect on the remainder of the d on special teams asu made uh definitive improvement rising from 60th to 14th in special teams smp plus um they didn't rank in the top 25 in any category but they were decent and good throughout and should remain so they have kicker brandon ruiz who was 35th in field goal efficiency 26 and kickoff efficiency brandon Ayuk uh, at return and punter uh, michael sleep dalton transferred to iowa but they brought in uh, lafayette's michael turk who had a better net average than sleep dalton they're projected at 6.7 wins vegas has them at 6.5 I think ASU has easy uh, home win games against Kent State and Sacramento State. Uh, that's going to get the uh, troglodytes and Tempe all stoked up. But reality will set in on September 14th when they return to Michigan State and they will have their opportunity to exact their revenge on ASU for the 11 p.m. Eastern time defeat to the Sun Devils last season um, at Cal Washington State at Utah, USC, Oregon, and Arizona will ensure a max five-win season. Uh, Ray Anderson will continue making excuses for hiring his buddy while post-Todd Graham firing press conferences will echo in laughter. I'm going to go with the under, Gabe. Yeah, that that looks like a tough schedule. I mean, obviously you get the two non-conference here, but Michigan State, Wazoo, Utah. I mean, they could probably be USC. Uh, that that's a toss-up, but yeah, I mean, I would see five to six wins tops. I mean, unless Daniels is an absolute stud and pulls a twenty seventeen Khalil Tate. Um, I mean, they they could hit the over here, but and I mean, I guess the the emotional hedge here would be to bet the over, although I wouldn't necessarily care uh, too much. I'll, I'll still hit the under on this one. Uh, I, I think six is is pretty fair for them. Just too many question marks, but I wouldn't be surprised if Daniels is a top quarterback or a top freshman in the country for sure. 